Encouraging conversation in rethinking education with teachers, authors, and thought leaders from around the world. This is EDU with an Edge. And here are your hosts, Craig Badura and Tim Holes. A guy that started Under Armour, right. Kevin Plank. Have you heard his story? No, and I've always been intrigued by that. Holy it's like, who came crap. up with this Under Armour? Kicked out of, went to prep school, kicked out of prep school, went to military school, kicked out, ruined his football career, walked on at Maryland. So that's why Maryland is an Under Armour school. Kevin Plank. Uh. And um, walks on, and he discovers, because he's not very big, and he discovers that his cotton T-shirt, when it gets soaked is weighing him down an extra three pounds. And so he wants an advantage. So he goes on this adventure to try and find a material that he can wear underneath his shoulder pads. Why? He goes to some garment store. I just read this today. What year is this? Oh, I'll have to look it up. Probably get a mid nineties. Probably. Yeah. So he goes and finds this material and, um, puts it together and starts handing it out to a bunch of guys. And they, they come back and they're like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Where did you get this? And it was from a it's from a women's women's lingerie type <laughs> material. Like, you know, that stretchy really? type of material. And then the kicker is so he went into huge debt, like forty thousand dollars credit card, yeah, maxed out on everything, and um just kept hustling and wasn't an expert in retail or manufacturing or fabric or anything like that. Just he said he never thought that it wasn't going to be possible that this was going to work. Then he sends Christmas cards to Phil Knight at Nike every year going, you don't know who I am, but you will someday. What? Yes. What book are you, what book are you reading there? So this book is called uh, Creator's Code. Just found it at Barnes and Noble the other day. And it's just about people who have this knack to go out and create. And this, the guys that created Airbnb, uh, their story is, their rent went up 25% and they're like, we can't afford our rent. And so how are we going to do that? And so they just rented out a air mattress at their house around a conference that was happening. And they have no cost to that. <laughs> right. No- right. Now they do more, you know, they're valued at $10 billion now today because of just a problem because they were forced. And so I think about education in that way now. I'm like, okay, we have all this negativity what is going to be the result of that? Are we just going to continue to be try to combat it with negativity, or are we going to actually figure out a solution? Like negativity, what are you talking about? So, like the tax dollars and right. property tax and charter schools and all the stuff that's happening in Nebraska. Yeah, uh, but just in a in general, right? Um, yeah. education's yeah. under attack. I think. Yeah, and just everyone thinking there's a better way, and I just think some kid that's in school right now mm-hmm. is going to come up with this next startup, this app, or whatever that is going to solve a lot of problems. That's going to be innovative outside the box because he experienced this and now he has all the tools to go out and create and there's no barrier of entry to do that. Wow. Could be interesting. That's deep. And it's true (laughs) though, because you're, you're so true there with the negativity right now and you look at education, whether it be taxes, like you said, or people on Twitter complaining about other teachers or whatever have you. I, Wow. And what's that model? And on a previous podcast, I think on episode 21 or 22, we talked about whether physical spaces of high schools, the current model in high schools, will that exist in 50 years? And 
you're saying no. There's a kid sitting in school right now that's going to come up with a brilliant idea and say, boom, this is going to change. So, I mean, look at Uber. And I was reading an article. Yeah, you were talking about Airbnb one. and yep. Uber, who has no physical... What did they say? Like no physical infrastructure. I don't. That's right. Not the right yeah. Word or well, they have an office, but yeah, yeah their, their business they have is built no, on the cloud. Yeah, they're not buying like Uber. It's not. They're not buying more no taxis assets. and more taxis. Yes. No, yeah, and yep. they're saying, hey, you use your vehicle, you do it. Look at Blockbuster. You know. Yeah, it's a shared economy type thing. So Zipcar is another one that was started by a mom with three kids, and the whole idea is you have this car here. Why can't I? give this Noah's and your son's truck yeah. if they wanted to park it. Right. And someone could, on their phone, on the app, get into that truck and then take it across town. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps moving. And like That's what I had so a cool. fascinating conversation this spring with our tech director who talked about the whole Uber movement. And he said it would be fascinating to rent a lot and just lease these vehicles. He said, do you think you're going to need a vehicle in 20 years? Yeah. And that's So ask your guys self that. Do yeah. you need... I'm going to be 66 years old. And I told my wife this. I said, well, we need a vehicle. Do we need that cost of putting tires on it, right. fixing it, oil changes, when I could just ping an app and say, boom, there's a car lot down here. They'll bring a car to me. And I want I to go from go, point A to point B. I'm going to go here to Grand Island. They already go. do that with bicycles. When you go to the metro, yeah. they have those bikes that, you know, they, they go from one, they go from point A to point B. And you throw your credit card. No, you don't even your credit card. No, it's an app. You can yeah. throw an app and say, I'm going to take yeah. the bike. All right. And they can track the bike. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think it's it's coming. So, Craig, yeah, I think in the next 50, 60, 70, you might, depending on. 50, depending, 60 is a long but, time but, from now. But, but No, it's not. Look at how old we are. I look know, at how fast it's gone. We're not even 50, though. I but mean, it has. But it's 20, moved so fast. Look at how much technology. Yeah. If you'd have told fast. me 19 years ago when I started teaching that I'm going to be carrying a portable device. I know. Called an iPhone in my pocket that has the same capability of the Mac, whatever I was using at the time. Email was a brand new concept back then. And I was like. Really, I have to send an electronic mail to my office so Jeanette doesn't come get the lunch count off of my (laughs) sticky that I had outside of my door. And Mm -hmm. now we're sitting here recording a podcast, you know, using the intranet. Thanks, Al Gore. Does does it concern you? And I know you two are both tech savvy. Do you ever just sit and people watch? Oh, yeah. And do you ever notice? And here's what's odd is even when I'm driving and even when I'm a passenger in a vehicle... How many people are looking down? Oh yeah, as they're walking. What do you think is wrong? What do you think is wrong with that, Tim? Because like Gary Vee goes, at least they're enjoying something that they're right. obviously. But I I do think there's there's a a line that people cross where they come, become consumed with it and it becomes an addiction. Well, have you seen the movie Wall-E? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think the society could get there where they lose that that true human interaction. But people have been saying that for years when the radio came and TV, like, oh, we're going to turn into zombies, right? So, like, at the end of the day, we're still humans. What are we doing right now? Yeah. We all ha- we have three laptops in front of us. We have phones. Three th- we have <laughs> headphones. But we're talking face-to-face. Yes. And we're trying to reach an audience that physically can't be with us right now, which is super cool. So And it has helped. I, mean, I don't know. I'm not saying that, you know, problem, I know. it helps solve problems. Don't get me wrong. But... Sometimes problems can't be solved just through technology. Oh, and I, I hope that, that agree. and I hope that that is never lost when we become so reliant on it, where we think an email is just going to solve a problem. So, and how do we teach kids how to problem solve in this age where they're breaking up with a boyfriend and girlfriend over text messages, which never was even possible no. with us? 
but it's like, well, that's all they know, you know? And I think that's where we had just talked before in a previous episode as far as schools being just, you know, the physical space won't be as relevant anymore when you're having the online and virtual classes where I still think that one-on-one contact it is valuable where, you know, you might not have teachers, but they might be facilitators, and that facilitator can, can, uh, can guide several kids that are in several classes because uh, they're still getting that instruction online, but I still think you need that human interaction. That's so important. Did you hit record on this? Yeah. And we what, have been. Yeah, okay. we're, we're rolling. And what you had talked about, are we – I read a great article about this. Are we as parents so concerned about – our kids with devices, mm-hmm. and are we basing it on our experience growing up? We're, we're trying to prepare kids for a world that we don't even know right, right. anything about. Yep. And we're saying, don't do that, don't do that. Well, why not? Because what's our, <laughs> what are our yes. kids? Yes. Our kids going to be teaching their, I don't know, is it... Uh, is it the, you said we, it. we don't even kids, know the technology that they're going to have. Yeah. Going to be teaching. Who's going to be doing the teaching? Are we going to become so reliant on it? And I did a little seven-minute rant that I recorded, and it hasn't. I don't know if I'll drop it or not. But are we? In, Craig's got to listen to it first. Are we enabling <laughs> ourselves due to what what we are allowing? Um, you know, and I'm just going to use education in general. I mean, we have breakfast programs in schools, and there's nothing wrong with breakfast programs. But why are the schools now tasked for yeah. for feeding kids breakfast? And don't, right. it's important. I'm not right. saying that that's not important. And then, and and in my rant, I've mentioned I remember going and sitting in a class. You know, sex education when that was, you know, mm-hmm. in the mid '80s and late '80s when you know that was being thrown in as a curriculum. And I'm sitting in this class. And my head is spinning going, what, why is the school teaching me this when my mom just right. sat down with me right. and threw me an Ann Landers pamphlet and said, read it. And if you have any questions, <laughs> let me know. And, and I did read it. And I did have questions. And we had that, you did. Did you ask him? We had that awkward conversation. And I remember it was at wow. the kitchen table. And I was like, okay, mom, what's this? And, you know, it was just this <laughs> weird silence at first. And then, you know, she would say, well, this is what it is. And, and I think that is so awesome. valuable. It's not like, you know, putting the VHS tape yeah. in or hitting play or hitting an app. Um, that's where I think. So structured. Are, structured, but yeah. is with, are we becoming so dependent on it that we're enabling ourselves not to be parents or not to be the ones to teach, to teach our kids those valuable lessons? And I, I hope th- that's never lost. No. Because I, I don't, I don't know what as a parent want to go. Hey, go to www yeah. or click this app, yeah. and you're going to learn everything learn you it, can yeah. about life. I don't want. No. To, I don't want it to be that way. But, but someone might create that. Have we done that? Because for generation after generation after generation, we did things a certain way, and all of a sudden, technology came in, and boom, it's revolutionized the way we do things. Right. From getting information to. Yeah, sharing I, information. I don't go to the library anymore and use the Dewey Decimal System to check up a book. Uh, if I want to, I, I Google. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> I want it now. Right. It's it's the Google society we've become. And you think of kids right now. I was just having a conversation with the teacher. I took in a, a some Adobe training today, and he the te- the kids would give him a hard time saying, you know, Mister So and So, you don't do a very good job of teaching us. All you have us do is go to Google. And he said, Well, I don't know it very well, so go to Google and learn it. Um, yeah. <laughs> What did we do, uh, BG, before Google? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> BG. To bring it back to this book, 
I want to challenge teachers, educators, administrators, everyone in uh, in a role that has an impact on students is to look for students that maybe maybe are struggling, maybe don't get it, um, aren't interested in school, because sometimes those are the best entrepreneurs and people that want to go out and solve a problem. Give them a chance, um, give them a wink, give them a give them a high five, and say, "Hey, I'm here for you." and listen to them and see what they're passionate about and I'm, see what happens. I'm Craig Badura, joined with Taylor Siebert, Tim Holes, and this is EDU with an edge. If you like listening to this, please subscribe. Hey, thanks, Beckett. If you would also share it with a friend, we'd appreciate that. You could also leave feedback either on SoundCloud or iTunes.